Welcome back to the Las Casas Community Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed episode one. We're glad you're back for episode two. In this episode, we deep dive into John chapter 14. It's a great episode and we hope you enjoy. Luke 14, right? No, John. 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 John 14. Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now. And Lord, I just pray that you would be with us tonight as we study, that you would reveal things to us, that you would speak to us, that you would use Suzanne to explain the things that none of us understand. And Lord, just be with us in this group and show us whatever it is you want us to know. It's in Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. So starting in, uh, we've been talking about John for uh, a long time now, actually. And so we're starting John chapter 14. And it just so happens that chapters 14 through 16 are the last conversation that Jesus has with his disciples before he goes to to be crucified, you know? And so in 14, this is really, um, that's okay. It's kind of the the starting point. And so let's look at this. Uh, Somebody read uh, one through three. Warriors surrender to your fear, for you believe in God, now trust and believe in me also. My Father's house has many dwelling places. If it were otherwise, I would tell you plainly, but as I go there to prepare a place for you, and when everything is ready, I will come back and take you to myself, so that you will be where I am. You know, so we were talking about this last week, um, where it says, don't worry or surrender to your fear. Um, most translations will say, do not let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid, right? And we were talking about how this is um, not a suggestion. It's a command. And it's funny how we hear that and we're like, okay. But it goes in our one ear and out the other and actually never penetrates to the heart. But it, um, Jesus doesn't waste any words. And we actually, I like how the Passion talks about don't worry. Um, And I've heard this, I don't remember where I heard it from, but what worry is, it's fear, but it is uh, the fear of tomorrow stealing the the joy of your present. And most of the time it never even happens. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it's true. Yeah, it's true. And so, so you worried about it, and it was totally wasted time and effort and mental energy. And time that you won't ever get back. Exactly. Now, where it talks about in verses 2 and 3, my father's house has many dwelling places. Uh, I wrote over to the side, our homes will be joined to him and his presence. 
because it's where we will remain, where we'll stay. He has built a place for us. We are not um, an afterthought. He has gone and prepared a place for us, right? Andrea's translation, excuse me. Oh, go ahead. Andrea's translation is a little bit different. There's a couple of words that got left out. It says, if if it were otherwise, I would tell you plainly, because I go to prepare a place for you to rest. Mm. Mm. So that's cool. Yeah. I, I wrote this out. These verses are Jesus giving them the words spoken in the typical Jewish wedding language of the day. The disciples would have immediately recognized them. Before a Jewish wedding, a young man would leave his bride to build a room onto his father's house. The bride would wait typically one to two years while the groom did this. It was his father's responsibility to tell his son, the groom, when the room was finished. And then tell him he could go take or snatch away his bride. To himself into the bridal chamber. Jesus was at this time preparing the way for us. Uh, He was preparing it through crucifixion. But then through covenant, he would be preparing the way for anyone who trusted in him later, right? Um, So that we, his bride, could come to live with him in his father's house in heaven. So lots of meaning there. I thought this was cool. Uh, In the Passion Translation, the commentary, it says the Greek verb used for take, like take you to myself, uh, is not harpazo, which would be the the word that's used for rapture, to snatch away. Hmm. Uh, What it is instead is paralumbano. Now, we're kind of getting a, a, that's a raw word. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of getting a, a, an idea of what these words mean because we've used so many of them. Para means to be beside, to, to bring to the side of someone. Lombano, it means to, um, to seize, to grab a hold of and not let go. Hmm. You know? Um, and so he's keeping the take him to himself taking the bride, um, snatching her and not letting her go and keeping her beside him. And that's our place. Amen? Even now, when we're in covenant with him, according to Ephesians 2, 6, we are seated together with him in the heavenly places. We are with him, and we are in him, and he is in us, right? So um, I I like that. I think that's great. And so what it, uh, I'll finish what it's saying. It says, um, he takes us as his bride through his death and resurrection. His coming back can also refer to his coming to live within believers. The place he has prepared for us in his father's house, the temple, which is the body of Christ. He chooses our place in the body where we will have the most impact for his glory. And uh, it talks about seeing 1 Corinthians 12, 18 through 20. That says, but God has carefully designed each member and placed it in the body to function as he desires. A diversity is required for if the body consisted of one single part, there wouldn't be a body at all. So now we see that there are many differing parts and functions, but one body. 
Um, okay, so somebody read verses four through six. And you already know the way to go to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Master, we don't know where you're going, so how could we know the way there? Jesus explained, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes next to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know my Father too. Amen. Amen. In uh, the word know in all of those instances is Ido. And Ido uh, is talking about to know with all the senses. So he's saying, you already know with all of your senses the way, because they've been living with him for three years, you know? <laughs> and so um, then he says, I am the way, the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through union with me. Um, the three veils that led into the presence of God uh, in the tabernacle, those were the names of the veils. Mm. To go into the outer sanctuary, it was uh, the way. To go into the inner sanctuary, that veil was the truth. It could also be translated the reality. And then the one that went into the Holy of Holies, the veil, was the life. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus is saying, yeah, isn't that cool? Mm -hmm. The thing about it is, to a Jewish audience, they would have understood. Mm-hmm. That it was the way into the presence of God legally. Any other way, because the tabernacle was a tent, could somebody have snuck in? Yeah, they could have snuck in, but it would have not been a legal way of going in, and it would have been rejected. And so Jesus was saying, he is the legal entry point. He is the only legal entry point to the Father's presence. And there's much to be shown of that. That's a foreshadow of what he has done for us. Amen? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, I, I, I love these verses, or these passages. And so, this is not just for us uh, when we die. Because what is he saying? He says, he's the way to the Father, right? Mm-hmm. Through covenant through union with him. Talking about that no one comes to the Father except through Jesus, right? So here we are on this side of the covenant because this was said to the disciples before he died, right? Um, So it has been done for us now. Holy Spirit has been poured out and uh, through the Holy Spirit, then, man, all kinds of things are open and available. And so if we look at somebody, let's turn to Ephesians 2, 18 and 19. These are some of my favorite scriptures. Me? (laughs) I love these scriptures. And you taught me general electric power. Uh, Ephesians 2, 18 and 19. So if somebody, if, if Sierra or, or Miss Penny, whichever, it doesn't matter. I have it highlighted. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, 
And now, because we are united to Christ, we both have equal and direct access to the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. So you are not foreigners or guests, but rather you are children of the city of the Holy Ones, with all the rights as family members of the household of God. And then to second that, because, you know what, every rhyme of word has to be established with two or three witnesses. Amen. So another is Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. One more time. Oh, Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. <laughs> okay. I'm not having any luck finding anything tonight. I got this one highlighted too. This one is not. Somebody else is going to have to find it. I can't find it. I got it. Oh, you got it? Yeah. And now we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of, of the blood of Jesus. And he welcomes us to come into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm boldly and without hesitation. For he has, dis- he has dedicated a new life giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to him. Amen. Oh, oh 322. I stopped. Sorry. And since we now have a magnificent high priest who welcomes us into God's house, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity, and we have been freed from an accusing conscience. <clears throat> conscience. Now we are clean, unstained, and pre presentable to God inside and out. Amen. So what Jesus' body, when he was crucified, this is likening it to the veil, um, that it was torn open, and that the presence of God, um, it's almost like it had been um, contained in his physical body. Yes. Um, Contained in in Jesus' physical body, but then the foreshadow in the Holy of Holies it was um, when the veil was torn, it was unleashed to go out from the Holy of Holies to everywhere. Yes. Which was the joy of God so that everyone could uh, experience him. Okay. Somebody read. Uh, we're going back to John 14. Uh, John 14, 7 through 9. And from now on, you will realize <clears throat> that you have seen him and experienced him. And I'm sure that's meaning God. Yes, the Father. Philip spoke up, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be all we need. Jesus replied, Philip, I've been with you all this time, and you still don't know who I am. How could you ask me to show you the Father? For anyone who has looked at me has seen the Father. Okay. Well, but you know what? They didn't understand that. Yeah. There's three times there is a certain word used there where it says, um, from now on you will realize that you have seen him. 
And then in the Passion, it says, and they added and experienced him. It's because of the word that's used for seeing. And then down in verse 9, where Jesus says, um, how could you ask me to show you the Father? For anyone who has looked, same word, at me has seen, same word, the Father. So that word is horeo. And so it's H-O-R-A-O. H-O-R-A-O. And horeo, it means to see with the eyes. It can also mean to see with the mind, like in visions through Holy Spirit, right? Or dreams. How many times does God speak in the Old and New Testament through dreams and visions? A whole lot. And has he stopped? No, he has not. Um, so it also means to become acquainted with by experience. So you get to know someone because you are experiencing their presence. It also means to stare at. So this is not necessarily a short time. You're staring at them. And it means having appeared and shown oneself. So that's what Jesus is saying about uh, seeing the Father and him. Isn't that interesting and beautiful all at the same time, which goes right back to when we were talking about Ephesians 2, 18 and 19 and Hebrews 10, 19 through 22, just a minute ago. It's, it's just going on that same thing. So now let's look at verses 10 and 11. Don't you believe that the Father is living in me and that I am living in the Father? Even my words are not my own, but come from my Father, for he lives in me and performs his miracles of power through me. Believe that I live as one with my Father, and that my Father lives as one with me, or at least believe because of the mighty miracles I have done. Right. The word there uh, where it says, even my words are not my own, but come from my father, they're rhema words. So it's specific. It's personal. Right. And then um, Jesus opened the way for us to follow his example through Holy Spirit. Because how many times do we read in the New Testament, particularly that Jesus is we are in Jesus? that uh, Jesus is in us. And, you know, and it's funny because we'll say that and we'll teach that to little children, but you know what? Even as adults, we don't really go further than what we heard as children. And, and we don't really think of that as more. Um, think about it like this. When the enemy, because there are two places, in Galatians 3 it talks about 327, what it says is that we are clothed in Christ. We put him on like clothing. Um, if I put on, uh, I don't know, <laughs> the first thing that came to mind, uh, <laughs> you know, like a bunny suit, I have everything covered, right? Uh, and then I put like even something over my face. Can you see any of me? None at all. 
And so that's kind of like what we're doing with Jesus is we are fully putting him on. And, and in Colossians 3, 1 through 4, it talks about that we are hidden in him. Amen? Um, in, in just Ephesians chapter 1, multiple times does it talk about that we are in him or in Christ. Yes. And that uh, we are blessed with all the blessings of the spirit realm in heaven, in the heavenly places, because we are in Jesus. So think about it like this. I mean, actually, it'll blow your mind if you really think on it. Because um, think about the enemy. So much of the time, people will overemphasize the enemy. They will be so fearful of whatever they think that he may be doing or he may be doing. But here's the deal. He is a creation. No matter what he is, he is not anything compared to Jesus, who is God. Amen? And so if we are in Jesus, in the spirit, Satan is living in the spirit realm. He sees Jesus when he looks at us, right? And so he's terrified of us figuring that out and, and figuring out that we have, um, like right here, what Jesus is saying, that don't you believe that the Father is living in me and that I'm living in the Father and that everything he does it comes from the Father, for he lives in me and performs his miracles of power through me because I live as one with my Father and that my Father lives as one with me. That is relationship. When we are, um, one time the Holy Spirit gave me a vision. Um, I was asking Holy Spirit what he was doing during some worship one time and I saw him literally as hair and uh, he was going around people and they were breathing him in and he was going through all of their body and then it was breathed out and he was all around you know there was no place that he was not and the thing with with that is Holy Spirit makes the heavenly places available through the Spirit. And uh, so we are living. Oh well. <laughs> we are living uh, at one with Jesus. And um, the Father God is available. That is what Scripture is saying to us. That is the new covenant. Amen. Um, so what I, what I wrote here, Jesus opened the way for us to follow his example through Holy Spirit. That means first living with and in the Father and Jesus through Holy Spirit. And as a byproduct, we have the same results that Jesus did. True intimacy always begins, I'm sorry, true intimacy always brings actions of affection. So somebody read verses 13 and 14. 
Red 12, yeah. <clears throat> oh, we do. I was getting that on my paper. <laughs> go ahead. Because <laughs> I have that underlined. Okay, go ahead. I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do, even greater miracles than these, because I go to be with my Father. You stop there. I have never been able to figure out what miracle could be done by any of us that would be greater than well, Jesus. Well, actually, what that is talking about is Jesus, he was the ultimate, right? But his time was cut short. And so it's not that we will really do greater magnitude, more, but we have more, more opportunity. Mm -hmm. We will do more in um, time and number. Because, yes, in quantity, mm -hmm. not quality. Right. And it's because his time was cut short, and we will have more time. That I can go with. Yeah. Yes. But see, that verse in itself is backing up all of the rest mm -hmm. of this. That Jesus is the example, and so that's why in the Great Commission he says, "Go therefore into all the world, because I've given all the authority has been given to me, and so I'm giving it to you. Go do it." Mm -hmm. And so that's why we've talked about this many times. Jesus, when he was uh, resurrected, uh, then he went and sat down. Why mm -hmm. did he sit down? It was finished. Because his job was finished. Those were his last words. His job was done. And so, yes, yeah, he, took he can rest. But the thing about it is we have been given the responsibility, the authority, the power to go and do what um, the rest of the work. That's what verse 12 is all about. Amen. Okay. And not on our own strength. No, we could not do it on ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's why we need Holy Spirit to open up everything, to empower us. Yeah, go ahead and do 13, 14. Well, I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask in my name. And that is how the Son will show what the Father is really like and bring glory to Him. Ask me anything in my name and I will do it for you. Yeah. You know, when, when he's saying, do it in my name, okay, how many times have we learned from childhood? <laughs> in Jesus' name, amen. amen. And you know what? We do it without any thought. We do it because we've heard it done, and we don't understand even what are we saying when we're doing it. But we're doing it because he's saying to ask in his name. Well, and I, I even wrote in parentheses next to that, Ask in my name using my authority. Mm -hmm. Because if you're in someone's name, what do we do? Uh, if you're signing someone else's name, you go to a lawyer and you get a power of attorney mm -hmm. to have the authority, the authorization to sign their name. To make it legal. Yes, it has to be legal. Everything has to be legal in the spirit realm. And so, um, when Jesus gave us all authority, he was doing that. He was giving us his name to act in. Yeah. Uh, well, I actually wrote this out here in my notes. Jesus, using Jesus' name, acting in his authority, we have been given all the authority of heaven and earth. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 
says, Then Jesus came close to them and said, All authority. Now, of the Passion Translation, it says, Of the universe. I actually don't like that translation. Because I like it better, because I think it's actually... It says more of heaven and of earth. Because why did he come? come? He came to get back the covenant that Adam and Eve had lost in the garden. And so they lost planet earth. That's what in Revelation he's going, uh, going in to get the title deed of earth, right? And so that's what so much of this is about. All authority of heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, wherever you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you, and never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of this age. And how can he be with us every day? Because he's in us. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit brings that, yes. So, amen. Where were you just reading from? Oh, I was uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. The Great Commission. Yes, the Great Commission. All right, so am I going too fast? No, that's good. I'm, okay. I was the Jesus in Jesus' name, like, growing up, you know, yeah. I had that. Now I lay me down to sleep. Oh, yeah. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Um. I don't know. Yeah, just recently, I think I've come to realize, like, the seriousness of that. And also with, like, communion as well. Like, when you take that, it's not routine. You need to, like, think about, like, the sacrifice, what that that means when you're doing that. The gratitude that you should have in that moment. Communion. One of the things with that, that is covenant. That's a covenant ceremony. And so when you, it, it's it's the same thing from a wedding. Mm-hmm. So I hate to see this. I mean, it's not that most of the time, I would say almost 99% of the time, people don't understand what they're doing. Communion. They are. When they're give, feeding each other cake oh, and, um, and punch or wine or whatever they're drinking, mm-hmm. what they're doing is they are saying, I am giving you my life. And I am taking your life in me. Yeah. That is what that is. And so, you know, so much of the time people are like smashing the cake into people's faces, you know, and because they don't understand the magnitude of what they're doing. They don't realize what it represents. The, I know. I know. I, I definitely smashed cake in Jordan's face. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely did that. <laughs> and, and I'm not saying. But yeah, yeah. I've never but even. What it's is, just a traditional yeah. symbol. Because people don't understand yeah. why that got started. Yeah. And I mean, so people kind of just looked at it like, well, you know, it's for the photographer to take funny pictures. Yeah, it's just a you thing we do. do. Yeah. When do you want to do this? Cake right. cutting, yeah. And why do we do it? We don't know, but Are you it's both? just always been done. But see, that's just it. The same reason that you do that at a wedding is why you take communion. Because when you're taking the uh, the bread, the whatever form you might get it in, or grape juice, wine, whatever, 
then what happens is you are taking his body and his blood and you're taking it into yourself and you're giving yours to him. It's a covenant ceremony every time. Yeah, and that that's why we do it. I guess I gotta have another wedding. Redo oh. it. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I would not do it. Okay, so let's go to John uh, 14, 15. That's where we are. And we're just going to do 15, and it's very short, but it's packed. Loving me empowers you to obey my commands. So loving is agapeo. It, it being like agape. It's a sacrificial love. So if you sacrificial, sacrificially love me, then it empowers you to obey. Ah, okay. It was translated as obey. In some translations, it'll translate it as keep. The proper translation, <laughs> keep would be closer. Is Tereo. Yes, it's Tereo. Every time here. And so, look, Tereo means to keep, to guard, to treasure. Uh, it's used in uh, Luke 1 where, Jesus, uh, where Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. Same word, Tereo. Can you spell? Tereo is T E R E O. Mm -hmm. And it means also that you could build a military fortress around something or someone to guard and treasure them. And so if we are loving him and treasuring his commands, that's not hard, right? And so one of the things that uh, I wrote down here and I put a star next to it and then I underlined it three times. <laughs> I put treasuring is so much better than just obeying. Obeying implies doing so for fear or punishment, mm -hmm. which is religion. Mm -hmm. Treasuring implies keeping and guarding someone and what is dear to them out of love and relationship. It's all about the motivation of the heart. Mm, come on. Yeah. Because that's what loving Jesus is about. Right? And so that way his commands are not like, oh, I gotta go and you know, it's not it's a don't do list. Right. You know? Mm. No. He's saying it's out of relationship we're treasure treasuring each other. You know? Like, you know, if you have a a friend or a, a husband or a wife and they like my husband hates cinnamon okay okay he just hates cinnamon <laughs> and so am i going to go and just give him cinnamon all the time no no because i'm treasuring him by not giving him cinnamon okay because of relationship. Well, with Jesus, if he is saying, um, you know, keep me first. 
then if I have relationship with him where I'm treasuring him, is it hard to keep him first? It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be because he should be what's forefront. It's the default button, you know? It's like, oh, if I've had a hard day or if I'm afraid or if I'm discouraged or if I'm depressed feeling, then I can go to him. And just say, Jesus, can I just come near you? And you know what? He will always say, yes. Always. Even if you don't feel the yes. Because sometimes we get so distracted, we don't feel the yes. But can we still know he's there? Because he promises. Amen? And so... Just deep breathing. The greatest times I have ever had with Father God, I can tell you, is when I have been with him often. Not with any agenda. When I just go to him and say, can I just sit with you? I don't have anything I want, anything I need. I just want to sit with you. Oh my goodness. Those are the times where he will, like, rock my world with a by the way, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and just take some, like, gaping uh, root that I had in my heart that um, was uh, affecting all of my identity, behavior, everything. And you'll go, by the way, <laughs> and then set me free, you know? And you're like, oh, wow. Or I mean, he's done a lot of things that way. But I'm just saying, just go sit with him. I know uh, a friend of mine uh, on her back porch, she has a second chair next to where she prays. And you know what? That's Jesus' chair. Mm-hmm. And so she has an empty chair there to just talk. Talk, you know, to the chair. And you know what? Jesus is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't have to be complicated. Mm-hmm. Jesus is into the profound, simple, mm-hmm. like a child. Profoundly simple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it doesn't really make sense, but it's true. It's true. I love that. You nailed it. It's just that's Holy Spirit, man. All right. So let's start and go from, uh, let's do 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to, who will be to you a friend just like me, and he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him. But you know him intimately because he remains with you and will live inside you. All right. <laughs> There's a lot in that scripture. So, uh, one of the things that it says here, it says, uh, I will ask the Father. This is Jesus. I will ask the Father and he will give you another. The word another is allos. It's A-L-L-O-S. 
and it means another of the very same kind. Another like him. Just like him. No different. And so Holy Spirit has all the same uh, capabilities, all the same understanding and knowledge, all the same uh, being able to be everywhere at the same time. You know, Holy Spirit. And so that's what that word, so it's actually huge. He's saying to them, you know, when he was limited in his physical body, he put his godhood, uh, godhood over to the corner, right? That's what Philippians 2 is talking about, verses 5 through 9. Uh, so he wasn't able to be everywhere all at the same time because he was the example of what's available to us as a spirit-filled believer. Uh, but here he's saying, it's good for you that I'm going away. When we get to verse, uh, we're chapter 15. Um, and, and so the thing about it is, it, it's true. Because Holy Spirit would be everywhere all at the same time. But not just with, but in. Amen? So it's better. And then they translated it, here we'll give you another Savior. Well, that word is parakletos. Parakletos is like this huge word, okay? Um, and so the Passion was saying uh, parakletos is a technical word that can be translated defense attorney. Now, stop, and let's just pick up because it's used like five times in Scripture, Four of those are in 14, 15, and 16 of John. So all in this passage where Jesus is telling the disciples he's coming, and this is what he's like, right? The only other time that it's used is in 1 John chapter 2, and it's talking about Jesus. And so go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. Okay, another is the allos. Uh -huh, okay. And now we're talking about Savior. Yes. Okay. And Savior is parakletos. Do you mean to spell that? Um, I got it down here. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a good word. Yeah. <laughs> okay, where are we going? We're going to First uh, John chapter 2, verse 1. All right. You are my dear children, and I write these things to you so that you won't sin. But if anyone does sin, we continually have a forgiving Redeemer who is face-to-face -face with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Amen. So the word there for Redeemer, they translated as Redeemer, is parakletos. And so it's spoken of, of Jesus. And so here's what parakletos is. It means defense attorney, helper. It literally means... One who is called, that's kaleo, where kaleitos, kaleo, to walk alongside us. And so that would be the para, para kaleitos. Yes. And so we're never alone. He is always with us. And so, uh, <clears throat> according to the Passion, it says it means one called to stand next to you as a helper. I know I need that. How about y'all? <laughs> yep. Yeah. 
Various translations have rendered this counselor, comforter, advocate, encourager, intercessor, or helper. However, none of these words alone are adequate and fall short in explaining the full meaning. This translation has chosen the word Savior for it depicts the role of the Holy Spirit to protect, defend, and save us from ourselves and our enemies and keep us whole and healed. He is the one who guides and defends, comforts, and consoles. Keep in mind that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ, our Savior. The Aramaic word is paraleta, which is taken from the root words parak, to end, finish, or to save, and laida, or leda, which means the curse. What a beautiful word picture. Holy Spirit comes to end the work of the curse of sin in our lives and to save us from its very effect. Paracoleta means a redeemer who ends the curse. Isn't that beautiful? Mm -hmm. And that's what we've been given. But one thing about this whole chapter, we're touching the surface. Man, I encourage you, myself included, go home and read a little at a time with Holy Spirit. Ask Holy Spirit to reveal it. He will. And because there is so much treasure here. Somebody read verse 18. I promise that I will never leave you helpless or abandon you as orphans. I will come back to you. Mm -hmm. Amen. Um, the commentary there, it says, there are three ways Jesus will come to them. He came after his resurrection and appeared numerous times to his disciples. He came in the person of Holy Spirit at Pentecost to live within them. And he will come in the parousia, which is the second coming. I, I think that kind of, I think that's getting off subject, though, of what he's actually saying here. Because when he says, I will never leave you helpless or abandon you as orphans, I will come back to you. But he's also, he's not leaving them without anyone. Mm -hmm. They're not abandoned. They still have a caretaker. Because it's Holy Spirit of a caretaker. He is our pericolatos. He's our helper. Um, he's not a second best. Because sometimes it sounds like, okay, Jesus was better, but he went away. And so Holy Spirit was second best, and he was left. But that's not at all. How it is. It seems like you were rating the, the, the Godhead. I know. I mean, and no, it's not like that. In fact, if you really want to look at it, um, Holy Spirit is held at a greater regard. Because think about it like this. Remember Jesus? He was saying, well, you can say anything you want to about the Father or me. Yeah. But don't blaspheme Holy Spirit. Right. Right? Yeah. And so he's just saying, Holy Spirit is dear. I'm leaving you the best. Still see Holy Spirit as feminine. <laughs> well, and actually, <laughs> in the Hebrew language, it is. Because... The she, wisdom. Mm -hmm. 
Huh. In in Proverbs, um, you know, you've got wisdom. It is always. Now I get it. Yes. I always wonder why is it she? Uh-huh. Well, you say it's wisdom, but why is it a she? Mm-hmm. It's Holy Spirit. It's Holy Spirit. Yes. And the word ruach, right? Okay. Because it ends in an H, um, that the ruach, um, it has uh, a feminine in, uh, nature. And all of the pronouns that are used with Holy Spirit uh, and the verbs, the way they're used, are all feminine in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So, well, to me, it only makes in sense. In the New Testament, it's pneuma. It makes sense more, makes sense to me because why would you ever have the entire Bible? And the Godhead be three males. See, that's just it, though. They're not. I know, but that's why I'm saying that's why I feel well, like and, and this is a just female in here. Well, they're not male or female. Now, Jesus had well, to come as one or the other. Right. And he had to come male to do the work. Right. You know, he had to. And God made Adam and Eve because Adam needed a helper. Well, right. I just feel like it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the feminine of it. Well, yes. yes. I mean, it does make sense. Just a caretaker. Yeah, the more nurturing. Nurturing. Yeah. Protective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mama Bear. Compassion. Yeah. <laughs> well, and if you want the job done, who do you give it to? <laughs> just saying. One thing, though, God, even the Father, well, it talks about um, God doesn't have, uh, he's not one or the other, because he's spirit. And uh, we put those attributes uh, to humanity because we are that. We're born one or the other. Now people are trying to dispute that. Um, They actually, they asked somebody, you know, something about if people were male or female, and they were saying, well, let's answer it like this. A hundred years from now, when they're nothing but bones, we will be able to know what they were. Well, what they were born. Do you know what they're doing now on forms? Instead of male or female, what were you born as? Or what race, or what gender do you identify with? Right this world. I just well, but the main thing, with, <laughs> we'll get off of that, but the thing with God is that's one of the reasons why he says, make no graven image of me, because that would be putting me in a box. Mm-hmm. He's saying, no. I, think it's I hard. have all these things. It's hard for us to even like That's why his name is Rationalize. He is yes. it all. He is the original Amazon, A to Z. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was a bad joke. Sorry. <laughs> did, Joshua, did Joshua give you that? No, but I've been with Joshua a lot. <laughs> is, that what, is that their motto? Eight is yeah. Eight is oh, I didn't even know. Yeah, that. they do have it figured out. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. I just keep that on how many more buildings do we put over there? I think there's a lot more. Like, I just noticed another one the other night. I was like, right over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, 
So let me let me go back to uh, you know, let's just go on. Go to verse 19. Because it has a lot to say too. They all do. Then I will leave this world, and they will see me no longer. But you will see me, because I will live again, and you will come alive too. Okay, stop. That one? Wow. Let me tell you what all that's saying, okay? Uh, soon I will leave this world. Okay? The word that's used there is cosmos. It, you could say it's the universe, you know, but it's K-O-S-M-O-S. And so when we think of the cosmos, even in our English language, we think outer space, all the universe, right? Everything you know about. Everything we know about. Think about it like this. It's everything that we know about in the physical realm. So you could say, soon I will leave this physical realm. And it would be right. Right? So you could say universe instead of leave this world. So soon I will leave this physical realm and they will see me no more or no longer. Okay, the word there for see is not horeo like it was last time. This one is thoreo. Let me spell that, okay? It's T-H-E-O-R-E-O. And that is the word from Greek that we get the English word theater from. When you go to a theater, are you going to sit down for a second, get a glimpse, and then get up and leave? No. No. You're going to sit down for a while and stare at and study and uh, really see whatever it is. It's focused, yes. And and so you are really intensely seeing something, right? To keep up with what's going on. So he was saying, soon I'm going to leave this world, universe, physical realm, and they, not talking about his believers, right, will see me no longer. They're not going to see him. But... Look at the but. You, talking about believers, will see me. And it's the word thoreo again. So we're going to be able to sit down and be with him, to watch what's going on, to sit there for a while. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Isn't that great? Yes. Because I will live again. And you will come alive, too. And so the coming alive, for one thing, when Holy Spirit comes into our spirit, we are quickened to life, right? And that life will never end. Even if our physical body, we lay down, our physical, um, our spirit will continue to live forever. Okay, so somebody read 20 through 21. So when that day comes, you will know that I am living in the Father, and that you are one with me, for I will be living in you. Those who truly love me 
are those who obey my commands. Where did we see that before? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Whoever passionately loves me will be passionately loved by my Father, and I will passionately love you in return and will manifest my life within you. Okay? Now, uh, the word for love every time is agapeo. And the word there in verse 21 where it says, those who love me are those who obey is how it's translated. It's tereo. So again, it would be better you could say, those who truly love me are those who treasure my commands. Right? So there it is again. Now, there is uh, this word, uh, it's infinizo is actually what the word is. But the verb translated reveal used is used in John's gospel only, here and in the following verse. That's the only time it's used in all of the New Testament. Hmm. As in the Septuagint, do y'all know what the Septuagint is? First four books. Mm -hmm. The first five is the Torah. The Septuagint is the Old Testament translated into Greek about 100 years before Jesus was born. So they took the Old Testament, put it in Greek, and so you can kind of know what is being said because of the translation. Interesting. Does that make sense? Okay. It is my opinion. Okay. <laughs> That's plenty of Yeah. So as in the Septuagint of Exodus 33, verse 13, here's the New King James, what it says. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, this is Moses talking to Father God, show me now your way that I may know you and that I might find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. When it says, um, I pray that I found grace in your sight, show me your way. Show was uh, translated as infinizo. So that means, uh, infinizo, it means, uh, I don't have it here very well. It means to show oneself, to come into view, to appear, to exhibit in view, to disclose or make known. It's like, it's like where God is saying in that verse, uh, and I will, uh, if you will passionately love me, uh, and, and he will reveal himself, uh, that means that he's going to come out of hiding. He's not doing hide and seek. He's coming out in the open, and he's saying, here I am. Mm -hmm. That is the word, infinizo. Reveal. Mm -hmm. In other translations, like the New King James, uh, and, and something like that, it is manifest. Can you spell that? Infinizo. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I'm having to go from off my memory. Uh, M E M. I definitely had I. <laughs> yeah. P H A N I. Uh, is it D Z O or Gizio? P M P H. A N I N. Infinizo. E M P H A N I Z O. Mm -hmm. But the way you say it phonetically mm -hmm. is E M. Yeah. M Infinizo. Yeah. There's yeah. not a D in the spelling, but. But in, when you're pronouncing it, yes. There is a D. Uh huh. Yeah. So I 
Yeah. Well, that's like even okay. Well, it's not a silent D; it's a hidden D. Right. Yeah. Even a there D. If you're actually pronouncing Sozo right, it would be Sozo. Oh, okay. That is the correct pronunciation. We just don't say it that way because you don't see the D. It's not spelled that way. Yeah. And, and it, yes, it's not spelled that way, but in Greek, that's how you pronounce it. Okay. But that, that is huge. Yeah. yeah. If you love him, if you treasure him, then he will come out of hiding for you. He will reveal himself. He will uh, appear and come to view. I wonder if that's like where we get emphasized from. That's what I was, when I was spelling it to you. That's what I thought. Uh-huh, because it looked like it. Because in that, like, well, so much of our English language uh, came yeah. from uh, Greek and Latin, uh, which actually comes from Hebrew. And yeah, anyway. So there you go. Okay. This scripture sort of reminds me of if you will seek him, you will find him. Exactly. Very it's similar. the same thing. Yes, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me, says the Lord. That is uh, Jeremiah 29. Uh, you can start in 11 through 14. Yeah. Yeah, they're not 29 or 11. They don't know. Oh, yeah. No, the others are like, wow, so I, good. I had a friend, her, and her dad died. Her two sons, well, all three children spoke at the giving eulogy. And one of the sons, both the sons were ordained, ordained to be preachers <clears throat> in, uh, at a very young age. Anyway, one of them spoke of that. And I was like, I wrote it down on something because you know, at the funeral, like, I need to know that. And so then I went and looked it up. And mm-hmm. Oh, it's good. It was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I've always said 29 11. Yeah. For I know the plans I have for you. That's better. <laughs> yeah. It gets better. It gets better. <laughs> You're right. It does. <clears throat> okay. So let's do 22 through 24. You see why this is such a good chapter? Mm-hmm. Man, it's good. Well, if it's Jesus talking, it can't be anything but. Right. That's true. That's <laughs> true. Those who truly love me are those who obey my commands. I think we started with that. Whoever passionately loves me will be passionately loved by my Father. Did we already do that? Yeah, 22. Then one of the disciples named Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, Lord, why is it that you will only reveal your identity to us and not to everyone? Jesus replied, loving me empowers you to obey my word. And my Father will love you so deeply that we will come to you and make stop. Who's going to call him? Father. No, 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 no. What's the, what's the word that's used? And my father will love you so deeply that we, we, okay, keep going, will come to you and make you our dwelling uh-huh. place. Our dwelling place. So that means Jesus and Father are coming through Holy Spirit. So all three of Godhead, they're like, yeah, you're going to be our dwelling place. Good stuff. Yeah, that's good stuff. And they're probably like, what? Yeah. They're like, what? Uh, what do you mean? Yeah. And so look at verse 23 again. Loving me empowers you to obey. Okay. It's Tereo. Again, it should be treasure. Right? 
And then look at the wouldn't they just put treasure? Especially in the fashion. I know. It's like when you're just talking about um Well they gotta be able to put the notes underneath. Right. But when she <laughs> when she was just talking about um uh, the, 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 yeah. yeah, and I was like, oh, it's in manifest. Mm -hmm. So I jumped over to Matthew 6 9, where he does the prayer, mm -hmm. because in here it says manifest. Uh -huh. I like how it says manifest, mm -hmm. and I'm like, yeah, I want you to grow in it. Now, it wouldn't be the same but word, but no, because it's <laughs> only found here, right? You know, but okay, so. So here it's saying, if you love me with all your heart, sacrificially, agapeo, right, empowers you to tereo, treasure. Now, before he said commands, right, mm -hmm. the last two times. Here he's saying, treasure my logos word, mm -hmm. not rhema. Here it's logos. So what is the logos? Mm -hmm. It's the whole written word. So treasure my word, right? Uh, which would be the Bible, the word of God. And my father will love you and we will come and make our dwelling place. Amen? That's like, wow. And then it says after that, uh, the next verse, but those who don't love me will not tereo. So if, if somebody doesn't love God, are they ever going to treasure his Logos words? No. no, it's not in them. They don't have a regard, right? You have to actually love him and care about um, his feelings, what he has to say. In fact, I have this new uh, book, um, I got it for myself for Christmas. <laughs> and it's Hebrew um, word study. And I can, I'm loving this book. You know, it's, a, it's an in-season book. You know what I mean by that? When you read something in season, it, you, it speaks to your heart where you want to devour it. Mm -hmm. um, and it just so happens that the author, his name is Chaim Ben Torah. <laughs> And he was a professor, a Hebrew professor at Moody Institute in uh, Chicago. And so he's taking different scriptures and breaking down uh, words in it. And so that's yeah. right up your alley. Oh, I know. I love that. <laughs> and so one of them is so personal to me because it's one that is, um, it, it's a rhema word that God gave me a long time ago. It was Psalm of Solomon 4, 9. And um, what it says is you have captivated. Uh, sometimes it'll say captured. Sometimes it'll say ravished. My heart, my sister, my spouse. You have ravished my heart with one look of your eyes, with one link of your necklace. And uh, the, the thing about that is it's breaking down the word ravish, captivate, or uh, capture, right? And it's the way that the Hebrew works, it's going to its its meaning, its root. Um, its root is as if you would go to a tree and you would take off all of its bark. Then what's going to happen is being, 
It's going to die. It's going to die. Because that's where its life is. It's right below the bark. It exposed it so that it's going to die. Well, what that word is saying is um, God, when we look his way, just even with a glance of our eyes, then um, we uncover his heart like, um, like a bark on a tree and we leave him vulnerable. He has so much love for us that he opens his heart and makes himself vulnerable where he could have a broken heart from us. Never even and he's the God of the universe. And you're like, wow, and he does that. But he does it out of love. You know? Um, <laughs> I love that. Mm -hmm. I don't really even understand that. That's beyond my understanding. I get the concept, but um, it's, it's beautiful that he loves us that much. And that we can regard it deeply or we're um, not. Yeah. But he still, he, his heart is bared when we just glance his way. And when we think about, um, like with one link of your necklace, or uh, think about it like this, our experiences with him are like our pearl of greatest price, right? where uh, we are having treasures and we're linking them, we're stringing them onto a necklace uh, as we encounter him. And so um, we captivate his heart. So that, is, that would be kind of what this is talking about. Those who are not believers can't understand that. And they don't have that because they have not. His love, that's, that's another thing that I found in this book that was interesting. I'm sorry, I'm kind of not trying to ramble. But it talks about um, John 3, 16. For mm -hmm. God so loved the world. The word there for loved is different than in other places like this where he loves those who follow him. It's a different word. And the thing about it is because God just loves everyone. And he loves the world. But when we love him back, then it is a deeper love because it's returned. It's, it's a relationship where the first, where he loved the world, it's not returned necessarily one way. It's only it's one way, exactly. Kind of the same way with us. Like, you know, you grow up and you love Jesus, but until you love Jesus, yes. like, you don't get it until you get it. Exactly. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, if you know, you know. You do. <laughs> It's good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So somebody read 25. Um, Twenty-five and twenty-six. 
I'm telling you this while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the Spirit of holiness, the one like me who sets you free, he will teach you all things in my name. And he will inspire you to remember every word that I've told you. So the, the thing here where it says the spirit of holiness, the Aramaic is uh, translated the redeemer from the curse. And, you know, back when uh, we were in another verse, uh, we were in 16 and 17, where it was calling, it was calling Holy Spirit the another and then the parakletos. Mm -hmm. And then it says and he's the Holy Spirit of truth. Mm -hmm. Right. Do you know the word there for truth is aletheia? And, and uh, if you want aletheia, how that's spelled, it's A-L-E-T-H-I-A, aletheia. It can also be translated as reality. And so you could say this is saying, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of reality. Yeah, okay. Think about it like this. We live in a world that is secondary. Where did God live first? In the spirit realm, mm -hmm. in heaven, right? And then he formed the earth as a shadow of heaven. You see that over and over and over. Man, we could, I'm not, I'm not wanting to open that can of worms because we could be there for a while. <laughs> but think about it like this. Even just the tabernacle. The tabernacle itself is all Jesus. It's picturing Jesus. Um, the things that are around it are the throne room. You have um, the bronze laver, which is the sea of glass that it talks about in Revelation chapter 1. Uh, and, well, actually in 4. Um, in the throne room, uh, you have um, different, different things. Uh, you have the high priest, the priest who will come in with the, um, the scepter that, is, that has the incense. In Revelation 5, it talks about that the prayers of the saints come as an incense that are before the God, uh, before God, and it's a perfume that comes to him, and he loves the prayers of the saints. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go there for just a second. Numbers chapter 2, it talks about um, Balak. He was uh, hired to prophesy against the people of Israel. He went to the top of Mount Peor and he looked down on the encampment of the Israelites and they were in their formation that they camped in. And what he saw was a cross. And he was filled with Holy Spirit uh, and he prophesied. Right? And the thing about it is the way they were encamped, they were the four living creatures. In the, in the center was where Jesus sits in the throne room. That's where the tabernacle was because the tabernacle is Jesus. And then around the tabernacle, there was the, uh, the tribe of Judah, which is the lion. There is the man. There is the uh, bull, ox, 
and then there is uh, a flying eagle. And all of those were the emblems that were on the banners that they encamped around. And those are the very same things in the same order is what you find in Ezekiel chapter 1 and in Revelation uh, 1 and 4 with the four living creatures. So I'm saying earth, earth is his, uh, his footstool, but it's also a shadow of heaven. In Hebrews, it talks about that Jesus went to the heavenly Ark of the Covenant and put his own blood on it. God gave Moses the dimensions of, of everything to put in the tabernacle. He had it in his home. He was making earth. When God looked down on earth, he saw home. A replica a shadow, not as good as his home, but a replica. And that's what I'm getting at. Um, <laughs> I can't remember where we were. Um, the revelation of holiness. Oh, 25. reality. Yes. Okay, thank you. <laughs> like, oh, where did I come from? Okay. So, Holy Spirit is reality. Holy Spirit, when he reveals, he's revealing from heaven to us, his saints, on earth. He is, he is uh, taking, some people have looked at earth like uh, it's a, oh, what do you call that, a hologram. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and is it a hologram? I don't know. I am saying this is the inferior. Heaven is superior. Right? And that's a whole can of worms. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even really going there. But I am saying Holy Spirit truly is the spirit of reality. Even if what we see here, um, we're confused. He knows reality. Amen. Do we say that of the, the encampment, Ezekiel 1 and Revelation? Uh, 1 and 4. It talks about the four living creatures. Mm -hmm. That's actually a beautiful study. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, in fact, that's one of my favorite things to teach is Revelation 4 uh, in that. It's good. <laughs> okay, look at verse 27. I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. So again, he's telling us a command. Don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. Now, what kind of peace is this? This it's Irene, yeah. No, it's fine. And Irene is spelled E I R E N E. E I R E N E. And remember we talked about Irene, it comes from being a medical term and it means uh, like if you broke a bone, it would be broken. 
right? What happened with us and God is our relationship with him through Adam and Eve was broken. And so Jesus came to heal it, to reconcile it, to put it back together. Well, what happens to a broken bone when it heals? It's stronger than ever. And that's what his peace does. And what is what is uh, shalom mean? Wholeness. Yeah, it is the wholeness that, it, it, that's the ultimate word. It is uh, not just peace. Uh, it's much greater than that. It's wealth. It's, it's uh, joy. It's uh, wholeness in every way. Shalom. And so it, notice he's saying the same thing over and over. I leave the gift of Irene, shalom, peace with you. And, you know, it's funny because the Lord gave me, um, Jesus gave me a vision one time. He was showing me uh, that he was giving me the gift of his peace. And his peace looked like he was scooping out of himself a, a ball of light. And he was presenting it to me and, and, and putting it in me. It was his peace that he was implanting. Does that make sense? And so then he says, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world. The word, the word there is cosmos again. Not the one that's given by the physical realm. Not by the universe. But his perfect peace. And so because he is peace, don't fear or be troubled. Be courageous. So somebody read 28 through 31. Remember what I've told you, that I must go away, but I promise to come back to you. For if you truly love me, you will be glad for me, since I'm returning to my Father, who is greater than I. So when all of the things, these things happen, you will still trust and cling to me. I won't speak with you much longer, for the ruler, ruler of this dark world is coming. But he has no power over me, for he has nothing to do with me. No legal. Mm -hmm. I am doing exactly what the Father destined for me to accomplish, so that the world will discover how much I love my Father. Now come with me. All right. Twice there in verse 30, it's really revealing, because he says, um, I won't speak with you much longer, for the ruler of this dark cosmos... So, universe, physical realm. Because how did he get it? It was given to him by Adam and Eve. Exactly. And then uh, the same thing down in verse 31. I'm doing exactly what the Father destined for me to accomplish so that the world will discover how much I love my Father. Cosmos, again. So the physical realm will know. Now, I wrote down in here, um, I went from the Amplified version, because I really like the Amplified, how it says this. Uh, verses 14, uh, John 14, 30 through 31. I will not speak with you much longer, for the ruler of the world, Satan, is coming, and he has no claim on me. What is a claim? That would be a legal, um, like if you go and you claim somebody's land, then you are legally trying to take it, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. 
So it has no claim over me. Have he some has a kind of reservation on it. Or yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, no power over me, nor anything that he can use against me. But so that the world may know without any doubt that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father has commanded me and act in full agreement with him. Get up and let us go from here. The, the thing is, is it's really about our agreement, right? We've talked about this. It has to be legal. And so what Jesus is saying is the ruler of this dark world, he's not saying he's not. He's saying he is. There's three times, actually, that Jesus says in the New Testament that uh, Satan, the enemy, is the ruler of the world. And uh, because uh, of that agreement with Adam and Eve, with sin. But Jesus came to get it back. And so Satan had no hold on him. He uh, could not crucify him. Uh, Jesus laid down his own life because there was no agreement. But what he agreed with, he came into full agreement with the Father. And so, because of that, he could do the things that God had for him to do. In the desert, uh, Satan couldn't tempt Jesus. Well, he could tempt, well, but he, he had no legal claim. Right, because Jesus didn't fall for anything exactly. that he was putting on him. Yes, and so he couldn't do anything to him. Except, and that's how it is with us when we are in Jesus because Jesus kept the law perfectly. Then uh, the thing about it is he can't do anything against us uh, except what he can try to talk us into. That would be a tempting. When it says for the ruler of this dark world is coming. Mm -hmm. Doesn't he mean just like he's coming, he's here and he's going to tempt her? What he means is the, the ruler of this dark world is coming, is uh, he's about to crucify him. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I like how it says, for he has nothing to use against me. Yes. So it's like when he was in the desert, it's like, yeah. It's like, it can't be like, well, there remember that sin. one time? There was no yeah. legal um, paperwork that he could stand up and yeah. say, look, he did this. He has no receipts. He deserves this. No yes, receipts. he couldn't do it. All the rest of us have that problem. But yeah. Yes, that's but why Jesus it's Revelation. So. Yeah, in Revelation 12, it talks about that he's the accuser of the brethren. He's not the accuser of those who are lost because he has them. He's the accuser of the brethren that goes before God and accuses them day and night, right? Um but he can only accuse us if we're actually guilty. And we are. are. <laughs> and so the way to get out of that, because we don't want the legal agreements, we want God to be able to tear them up and say, okay, they're done. They're, they're finished, right? Um, we repent. And we, we break Jesus, agreement. Jesus is our defense attorney. And yes. And we renounce and we break agreement with um, things we've said or others have said over us um, because we want freedom. And we give it to God and we ask God, what will you give me in return? I 
and then we don't right. have to worry about it because exactly. it's all taken care of. And then it's finished. Amen. Amen. You know what, guys? Well, we did it actually before <laughs> eight o'clock. We did it. Guys, what a great second episode. I am loving this. I hope you guys are loving it as much as I am. Thank you so much for listening, supporting us. Um, Go and follow us on Facebook. Share all of our posts about the podcast. Follow the podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, um, Amazon, all the places. Leave us a comment and a review. If you have any questions please reach out we'd love to answer any questions you may have um we hope you have a great weekend and we will see you next week <laughs>